0: I was preaching in uh, thank, you, thank you Thank you Thank you Thank you. I was in uh, Monica, Peru, in Brazil, up on the Amazon basin, and um, they sang and worshiped and prayed until 11 or 11:30. And they turned the pulpit to me or the there was really no pulpit, it was just in a little shack. There was about 75 people there, and I said to the missionary, I guess that I'll just read a scripture and, and have prayer and dismiss them. And he said, No. He said, um, You see those canoes that are out front? And there were canoes tied up, and then another row of canoes, and then as the rows went back, they got wider like a slice of pie and there was dozens of canoes one tied to the other i could never remember how people could distinguish which canoe was theirs and he said some of these people have ridden in that canoe for hours as much as 4 or 5 hours to get to this service he said preach long because they want the word I preached until about 2.30 in the morning, and they didn't want to stop. They worshiped, and they prayed, and they worshiped, and they prayed. And just as it was breaking daylight, somewhere around 5.30 in the morning, you could hear them getting in their canoes, and they were still singing. And the voices was echoing as they went up the various branches of rivers. And I said, "Oh God, surely you'll send a revival to this people." Well, I got a picture the other day, and uh, they said, "Do you remember Manacapuru?" And I said, "I sure do." They said they have now exceeded five thousand people in (laughs) Manacapuru. Do you know what brings revival? Do you know what will bring a move of God? Prayer and worship and sacrifice. Do you know the last commandment was not I'm coming back. It was talked about. He said you must repent. We could have a siege of repentance starting in the church and going out to the community. There's nobody that's a sinner anymore. They just made a mistake, just a little thing. I run into people that uh, Christians owe them money. It's a shame that people don't pay their debts. I saw a sign in the store that said it's a better testimony to say that a man pays his debts than it is to say he's a Christian. And then uh, I see that sometimes people lie just so that it's more convenient to lie. So easy to sin, isn't it? And the flesh is like that. We like The easy things. But Jesus was on the mountain with three of his disciples and the rest were down in the valley. And those in the valley were wrestling with a demon they couldn't do anything with. And Jesus was up there and they were, they said, let's build some tabernacles here and we'll just stay here. They wanted to stay and the ones on the valley wanted to leave. And when Jesus came down, he healed the boy. And they said, why couldn't we do it? And he said, this kind, this kind is only by fasting and prayer. If, if uh, we will pray, God will answer. Um, I don't know what all I could say tonight because we've heard a lot of good things. And uh, you folks have come, and I appreciate you for coming. And I appreciate Pastor Pruitt. And this church, the local church, because uh, you helped on my trip to Argentina. left the 31st of March, arrived the next morning, the 1st of April, and um, spent 17 days in Argentina. A boy that I baptized when he was 6 years old met me at the airport, and he said, I've taken off work, my time and my car is at your disposal. Now, the car was about the size you needed a can opener to get in or out, you know. And it ran on compressed natural gas or gasoline. Gasoline, it cost $76 to fill the tank. And compressed natural natural gas, it cost $6. I was sure glad that most places we could get compressed natural gas. (laughs) We traveled 3,600 miles. I preached 15 times in 17 days. I saw people healed. I saw families come together. I was in one church where five preachers were there, and they said these preachers have not been together in 20 years. You know, the church could have revival if somehow we could get by with all the little petty things, all the little things. Somebody said, well, you're to this. And somebody said, you're to that. I've heard him preach against mustaches. I've heard him preach against nylon stockings. I've heard him preach against what color you could wear, whether you could have a wedding band or whether you could have a Tola shoe. I don't recall that Jesus ever preached any of that. But I do recall that he said, if you will repent and if you will pray, I will answer. And... Um, I don't know. Everybody's got their personal convictions and you can have yours. I don't doesn't bother me. I got mine. <laughs> the Bible has certain mores and this church will have certain standards that you go by and then you will have biblical standards that you've got to adhere to. So don't go judging everybody. Amen? Now, if you... Uh, Well, you sure do need a place to put the water up here. You've heard of the hot seat. That's the wet seat. If today we could somehow get a vision of what God would like to do. Now, I'm just a little bit off center. Sometimes I pray and I just think if God speaks to me, I'm going to do what he said. I was out in the garden the other day, and I was doing a Santa Claus thing. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Trying to dig the potatoes in the garden was so, it was so hard. Lord, I said, no wonder there's no potatoes. that can't swell up this ground. And I was praying, and I said, Lord, surely. I would much better be preaching than praying or out here in this garden. And... um I looked, and here come a man down the road. And I said, ooh, hallelujah. And I yelled at him and I said, you knew around here? And he said, no. My wife and I had a spat. She threw me out of the car and I'm walking home. I said, how far is home? It was 10 miles. I said, come on, boy, get in this car. <laughs> Do you know that he lived 10 miles away and for 10 miles we shared the gospel of Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. I come to find out that he was a backslider. Do you know, sometimes we're worried about all those new people. We need to worry about those people that have drifted away. Drifted away. What does it really cost? Well, somebody said, you're spending your gas to go haul some backslider? No, I'm investing in the kingdom of God because here's a man that needs a witness of Jesus Christ. Well, I said, Lord, if I don't go out and get them, you'll send them in. And so uh, a couple of weeks later, here come a man and a woman, just a girl, maybe 15 or so, and he said, I'm out of gas. Can you give us a ride? I said, sure, I'll give you a ride, give you a few gallons of gas. And he said, well, take us here. And then on the road, he changed his mind and take us over there and give me a little more time to preach to him. Well, I didn't know it, but he was wanted by the police in several states. And this was a girl that he was taking advantage of. He was 30-some, and she is 15. And um, when I dropped them off where they said they stole a vehicle, and uh, they were arrested in Alabama. And somebody said, well, you could have been killed. They could have stole your car. Well, if you die, you go to be with the Lord. And they make cars every day. They'd be glad for you to go buy another. But they don't make people that need the Lord. They have a need. Need to spend some time. Psalms 90 and 9. Have you ever heard that? The 90 and 9 were safely late. No, they don't pay me for singing. You can believe that, brother. 90 and nine, if you got it, I'll let you be seated. Just stay there, would you? Open your Bibles, if you got them. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath, and we spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore and ten, and if by reason of strength, they're fourscore. Yet is our strength and our labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, and what according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Well, dear God, speak to us tonight. I pray, Lord, that I can speak some word that it will remain in the hearts of these people. We come not, Lord, as though we were something special, but we're a humble servant. I want to speak your word. I want, Lord, to know what you would like. I want my heart to be touched with the things that touch your heart. Jesus, let something be said that will move upon us and cause a revival to start in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Do you know that the United States of America spends $20 billion a year on cat and dog food? $20 billion a year. Do you know that the United States of America on health care spends $1.1 billion? On education, they spend $0.9 billion. On defense, they spend $0.85 billion on welfare 0.66 billion every year just it says other expenses 1.4 billion i don't know what others is and the federal deficit is now 17.8 trillion dollars pakistan we give them 804 million a year jordan we give them one trillion dollars a year egypt we give them 1.5 trillion dollars a year Afghanistan 1.5 trillion Israel 3 trillion Kenya 630 million Nigeria 600 million Ukraine 513 million Uganda 469 million do you know that none of these countries love us do you know that 1 will not buy love from anybody they don't care In fact, most of them just about as soon cut our throat as not. We spend. Would you say that with me? We spend. How many in this congregation tonight are over 50? I don't want to embarrass anybody, but just raise your hand. You're over 50. Do you know that uh, we've spent a lot? We've spent, you might say, the major portion. I have passed the 76 mark. And um, I have decided that whatever's left, I'm going to do my best for the Lord. A young lady in a church in western Argentina went into a TB sanatorium. It was run by the Catholic nuns. They tried to run her out, and she would sneak around another way and went in, and she would try to give them a witness to each one. Jesus loves you. And to one man, she felt especially feeling that he had a need, and so she gave him her Bible. He knew that uh, they would take it, and so he hid it under his pillow. And at night, he'd take a flashlight and read the Bible. But um, that tuberculosis was gradually eating him up, and he was dying. He went in the bathroom one night. He got down on the floor, and he was vomiting into the commode. And he grabbed a hold of the commode, and he was spitting up pieces of his lungs and blood and infection. And he said, God, if you can hear me, if there's anything left of me, I'll give it all to you. The next morning... He had slept several hours like he had never slept in 20 years. They checked him out, and in two weeks he was dismissed from the TB sanatorium. He said, you are healed. We don't know what happened. He didn't know where his family was. For 10 years, he'd never had contact with any of them. He had the Bible, and in the front of the Bible was stamped the address of the church. He walked to the church and the very little strength that he had. And he tried to tell them, I have nothing. I have no clothes. I have no money. I have no food. And so they said, well, we'll give you a bed in the back. And they gave him food. And four or five hours a day he spent in prayer. He would gather the saints that could come, generally the elderly. And they would pray. And they would pray. And one day I came through there and I needed someone to Be a caretaker at a church because if you have a piece of property, you have to have somebody living in it. If not, the vagrants will move in and you can't get them out. So he, uh, I told the pastor, I said, I need a caretaker. Doesn't have to have a lot of talent, just has to live there. Has to open the door, turn the lights on, close the door. And uh, he said, I have Carlos. So he gave me Carlos. Carlos came um, with me um, about a 12-hour drive crossing the Pampas, and uh, we drink mate. I don't know if you've ever seen a mate cup. They take a gourd, hollow it out, and put in a green tea, put a little bit of sugar, hot water, and you drink out of this metal stem that has a little strainer on the bottom. Then you put a little more sugar and more hot water and pass it to the next guy. And it goes around and around and around until the herbs are kind of worn out. And then they throw them out and put some new ones in. So on the trip, we began to drink mate. And he was a great mate drinker. He served himself and then he poured uh, the mate for me and said, Now he's just been healed of tuberculosis. (laughs) And he didn't say a word, and I didn't say a word. Do I really believe that God's healed him? Because if he hasn't, I'm gonna have tuberculosis. And um, I drank from the mati cup after him. He began to worship God, and he prayed and cried and worshiped for probably 300, 400 miles. We got to Buenos Aires, he cared for the church and he, people would come by begging and he'd win them to the Lord. There they have little carts go down the street and they'll yell out, rags, rags, or they want scrap metal and they'll say, Bassarero! and they want you to give them a few pieces of scrap metal and over the day they'll gather here and there and they'll go sell it. And he told a man, he said, we don't have any. Scrap here because we take lives that are on the scrap heap and make them new. Brought the man in, sat down. Three hours later, we baptized him in Jesus' name. And he went on to pastor a good church. And so, well, I'll tell you that Carlos became the assistant pastor and then he became the pastor. And the church grew from about 75 people to over 600 people. This is a man that can barely read and write but he knew how to pray. Well, he died a few months ago, and um, he was on his knees in prayer. Somebody walked into the room, and he looked up and he said, It's okay. And about that time, they said two angels reached over, carried him away he was gone he spent everything he had we spend our days as a tale that is told we spend they say people go to yard sales and spend not because they need it but because it's cheap they think they'll get a good buy if it's cheap enough I may need it sometime. And our houses and our lands are covered with things that we thought we might need. Saul of Tarsus was hid among the stuff he could hide anywhere today. <laughs> I'm guilty. I stopped at a flea market today, and the guy had white shirts. In the Amazon basin, there's now 126 Bible schools. The teachers get their fare paid if they ride a bus or if they ride a boat. And oftentimes it's a boat to go to somewhere to teach or to preach. And we pay their fare, maybe 25 cents or 50 cents each way. But uh, at the end of each semester, they get a necktie and a shirt. I believe I've got almost a 1,000 neckties into that area. And um, white shirts are pretty valuable to them. I stopped at a flea market today, and the man had a whole bunch of white shirts, brand new, $3 a piece. And I said, uh, he said, if you buy more, I'll give you a better price. Well, I'll shorten the story. I got them for 90 cents. I just believe the Lord's money is very valuable. And uh, they'll go in a duffel bag, and they'll go to Brazil, to the Amazon, and They'll be put on some preacher, and he'll be so happy. He'll be so thrilled. We spend, we spend our time. Somebody said, "I don't have time." Um, it's an amazing thing, you know. A man said to me, "I just don't have time to go to church." So we talked on a while, and I said, "You like to fish?" He said, "Oh man, I love to fish." I said, "How about let's go fishing tomorrow?" Oh, well, he said, "I'm gonna take off work. And we're gonna go fishing." I said, You are a dirty stinking liar. And he looked at me and said, What? I said, You didn't have time to go to church, but you had time to go fishing. People got time to go hunting? Hunting season comes in, man. One pastor told me, he said, I just about got to dismiss church during the hunting season because everybody's gone. We spend we spend our time in what we think is important. What is important to you? What's important? I moved into a community. Somebody said to me, said, the people here are the most unfriendly people in the world. They don't like me. They don't like, you know. I said, do you ever go out and talk? No, no, no. You don't want to talk to them. These people, you can't hardly get along with them. Well, the first day I met five families on this side. By the end of the week, I'd met everybody on the next block. Within two weeks, I'd met everybody about five blocks around. I found out they're the most friendly people in the world. They, They brought over a box of chocolates for Christmas, said, John, you're a great guy. Really? You know, sometimes the people that you think don't like you, they've never had a chance to meet you. Do you know people can live right around the church? I don't have time. I don't have time. John, what was his last name? Pastored in New Orleans in a pretty rough area. And uh, he was in the church. It was a rough area, so he had the doors locked. And he was in there praying. And he prayed for hours. I'll tell you, this man was a man of prayer. He prayed for six or eight hours, sometimes nine hours. And he was praying, and somebody was beating on the door. And he stood there beating because he could hear somebody inside. The problem was is that John's church was all white and the man at the door was all black. He finally heard somebody, went to the door and the man said, I was walking down the street and God said, go in. And he looked at him and said, there's another church (laughs) down. He said, God didn't send me there. He sent me here. John brought him in. Taught him a lesson. He was baptized, and in two weeks he was filled with the Holy Ghost, and he began to sing. They found out that he was a singer, that he had sang in very important places. And he sang at the general conference at the United Pentecostal Church where 25,000 people were gathered. He was banging on the door wanting in. I wonder sometimes if we have made a schedule what kind of people that we want to come, what color, what nationality. I told one church, I said, you need a, one of them cigarette things at the door. They said, what? I said, yeah, because we're trying to get sinners in here, and sinners have problems, and so they need to come in and know that they can snuff out their cigarette and come on in. Oh, some pastor said to me, he said, i tell you what, some of them hippies came in and they were all tattooed and, One half of his hair was shaved, and the other half was long hair, and one had purple hair. I'd be glad to have a church full of them because they need the Lord. You spend, we spend our time on what's important to us. We spend. See, some of us have spent the major part of our time. I looked at this young lady over here, she testified. There's a ring in her voice that says, I love the Lord. There's a ring in that that says, I want to do something for God. Hallelujah. There's a long road ahead to a young person, but many of us have a very short road ahead. Come on. What are you going to spend the rest of your life on? Benny DeMerchant, he and I have been friends since 1964. He's been a missionary in the Amazon. He just celebrated 50 years. He spent his whole life. This was the first book that he wrote about three or four years ago. And I believe I took that picture and I've flown in that plane and I have crashed in that plane. I want to tell you, it's a funny feeling when you're 3,000 feet in the air and the motor goes poop poop, and the propeller just stands straight up. And there's no sound, just the sound of the air whistling by. And you look at the altimeter and it's going like this. It's not going up like this. It's going down like this. And you're searching for a place to get the plane down where you're not going to land in a whole bunch of jungle and trees that are three or 400 feet high. Rip the plane apart and tear your body in pieces. And if you survive, you probably wouldn't survive the mosquitoes and the bugs and the snakes and what have you. And finally got it up over a river and put it down between logs and big rocks and boulders. I'm talking about boulders as big as half of that bench. And then we got out on the floats and got a little paddle about so long. Aluminum, one on each side, and we're trying to paddle upriver. Airplanes are not made to paddle upriver very good. Come around the corner after two hours paddling. Now for 630 miles... There's nothing. There's nothing, nothing, nothing but jungle. And guess what there was when we came around that corner? A bridge. There's one road, the Trans-Amazon Highway, and that bridge was in sight. We said, hallelujah. We paddled it up to the bridge, tied up the plane, took the carburetor apart, found the problem, cleaned it out. There was a little silver thing fell down in the edge of the river. You know how the water kind of boils in the edge and the sand and everything? And I went like this and scooped up and let the water run out, and I had it in my hand, and the missionary said, "It won't fly without that." We put her back together, and the engine cranked up, and I said, "Oh, hallelujah." But it was so hot that it wouldn't take off. The air's thin when it gets hot. So we tied up and went up to the Indian relation, the Funai. We spent the night there, put our hammocks up, spent the night. The next morning, went down to the plane, and there were the Indians that had killed the people that had surveyed that Trans-Amazon. We'd flown the men on Thursday, and they were killed on Saturday. I wanted to... Somehow to get a picture or something, but they think a picture will capture their spirit, so they wouldn't let me take a picture. But I stood at arm's length, and uh, you can't talk their language. And so, for the last uh, about 45 years, Brother DeMerchant has worked south a thousand miles, east a thousand miles, and west a thousand miles. There's churches established. And there's about 140,000 believers today because of this one missionary family. He didn't do it by himself because churches here send support called logistics. And without you supporting, it won't happen there. You helped me go to Argentina. And we had over 50 people pray through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We had ministers make uh, amends with one another. We had families brought back together. We saw people baptized with the Spirit and baptized in water and churches that are going on and strengthening the brethren. Amen. Well, a few years back, four or five years ago, they let us get into the going north among the Waiwai Indians, various other tribes. I was up there about three years ago. Um, we took up fish hooks that cost us 43 cents apiece at Bass Pro. They were four-aught, great big ones. We took over two miles of fishing line. We took a quarter of a mile of rope, gave them out to tie up hammocks and to tie up their canoes, went into a store. There's a little nylon hammock about that big. It weighs less than one pound. It'll hold 300 pounds. Most of us would be able to You know, I better stop. (laughs) They're $15 a piece. After some negotiating, we bought 65 of them for $5 a piece. We took them up. But you know what a little Indian boy looks like or a little girl? When he's been sleeping on a bamboo floor all of his life, and you give him a hammock that he can string up and sleep in a hammock, You are the greatest thing since sliced bread. And um, then we take clothes up. I took uh, 150 pounds of clothes. I got to Miami. I left Indianapolis three hours late because they didn't put enough oxygen on the plane for us. So they had to service the plane. We sat there for three hours on the tarmac. I got to Miami late. I had things to do there. I had a long connection. And uh, the girl at the, when I went to check in to fly out, she said, uh, Preacher, you're way overweight. And the fee, as I said, Wait, 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 wait. I left Indianapolis three hours late because your company didn't do its job. And I'm going to preach the gospel, and these clothes are going to help some people that never had a stitch of clothes in their life. And so, whatever you charge me, I'm charging you. She reached over and grabbed the stamp and said, "Have a good day." <laughs> and those clothes went on. Got to Manaus. Two days later, I got in one of those little planes and flew two and a half hours across the jungle, and landed and gave away fish hooks and fishing line and hammocks and and clothes. I decided I wasn't going to give them away. We gave them to the chief. Here, you give them away. It was really funny. He'd pick up something and look at it and look at one of the women and say, this will fit you. <laughs> I saw a guy going down the street in pajamas. <laughs> I didn't know I had any pajamas in it. Well, anyway, this is the second book that's come out about a month ago. And this is about Brother Merchants continued flying. This little plane is on its 12th engine 12 different engines have been put in this plane to keep it flying how much does it cost what's the price what's it worth well gasoline is about seven to ten dollars a gallon for aviation gas and that 206 burns one liter of gas every minute There was a lady up the Amazon River way up and she uh, sent word that she had started a group. She had some believers and wanted the missionary to come. Come to find out it was eight hours flying. Hold up eight fingers, would you? It's eight hours flying. You know how much gas that cost? A lot. So Brother, the merchant went stopping along the road, and he went here and there, and he got up there, and he baptized a group of people, and this little woman was so sincere. She was pioneering a work by herself, doing a great job, and uh, but the merchant said, sister, I really appreciate what you're doing. I want to tell you, thank God for the ladies that are dedicated to God because they do such a great work. They really do. They they hold up in prayer. Prayer warriors, women are terrific. They do a terrific, terrific job. And he looked at this little woman and he said, I probably won't be able to come back. And he tried to explain to her what it you know what was involved. This woman had never owned a car. She'd never owned a bicycle. She had never even flown in a plane. She had no way to have a concept of what it was like or what it would cost. What's it really worth? What's it worth? And uh, she said, I will pray, and God will give you the fuel to come back. He got in the plane and started flying back and said, that poor lady has no concept. She's ignorant, lives in the jungle. She has no idea. She, and he's flying along, Now, 8 hours flight is a long flight. And when you start out real early in the morning, you're flying east, and the sun is right in your face. And that cabin gets really warm. I probably shouldn't tell you this because most of you won't believe it. But the missionary fell asleep. And when he woke up, he looked over in the right seat. There was a man in a pilot's uniform. And he said, go back to sleep. I got it under control. He immediately fell back asleep, and he woke up and looked at his watch, and he'd been asleep four hours. And when he turned over, the man disappeared. And he said he was right on course. The compass reading was exactly right. An angel of the Lord. And that little woman is up there praying. And he got back home and it was Saturday and he's really, really tired. I mean, he'd been out preaching and flying and lugging gas cans and doing this. And he went to bed and he slept and he got up Sunday and went to church and one thing and another. And Monday morning, it's a guy at the door and said, I'm looking for Benny, Pastor Benny. And his wife went out and said, he's resting. He said, I need to see him. Said, no, he's resting. He said, I have to see him. She finally let him in and called her husband. He come down. He sleeps upstairs in a hammock. He come down and said, what do you need? He said, I am from Lloyd's of London. I've flown here from London, England, and I have insured a boat of hardwood lumber for $2 million, and it's stuck on a sandbar upriver. Would anybody like to guess where it stuck? It was stuck next door to the town where this woman was raising up a church. Does God really care about some people way up there in the jungle? Yes. A guy flies from London, England to Manaus, Brazil, goes to the mission's house and says, I have to have you to take me up river. He said, I can't charge. I'm not licensed legally to charge and I cannot fly you for nothing. And the man said, I understand that. He said, um, how about I just send a truck over to your warehouse with 25 barrels of aviation fuel. Woo! Can you imagine what 25 barrels of aviation fuel cost? Benny said, I'll get my jacket. (laughs) (laughs) He flew him up river. He went to see the sister. He had a rest. The man contacted him, said, I'm ready to go. Said, they can float that barge and we're not paying. And Benny said, I would never have believed that a little tiny woman praying. God may lay it on your heart to pray for somebody. He may lay it on you to do something special, something out of the ordinary, something that will sound stupid or foolish or unreal or unreasonable. What's it worth? Hmm. In Malachi 3 and verse 14, it said, uh, maybe we've cleansed our heart in vain. Maybe we've done too much. I've heard Christians say, Maybe I've given too much. A man said to me, he said, I've paid tithes all my life, and what have I gotten? I said, Well, you got up every morning and had breakfast, and you've had it for the last 50 years. It sustained you and it's kept you. What have you gotten? You've gotten the word of God, you've gotten strength, you've gotten spiritual encouragement. You've gotten a minister of the gospel that will preach to you. You've gotten an opportunity to be involved in an outreach around the world. What have you gotten? It's not what you can hold in your hand. It's not what you're going to have. Let me tell you something. Nothing you can hold in your hand is going to go with you. My last brother passed away in May. And uh, we were very, very close. But toward the end, he got so ill, I just prayed that his passing would be peaceful. And uh, they attended, although years ago he was baptized in Jesus' name, he married a woman and they attended the Methodist Church. And um, I went over there to the funeral and uh, they were going to have one of the deacons to do the eulogy. Here's a man that's lived 86 years, and you're going to have somebody that's a beginner. Somebody come up to, to me and said, Brother John, you better do something. So I got up. They asked if anybody wanted to say something. Really shouldn't do that because I got up and preached to them. I'm not going to have another chance. I didn't beat them. But I didn't leave much hide, neither. And the guy got up to speak after me and said, When I die, I want you to call that fellow to preach my funeral. (laughs) But you know what's happened since then? Everybody in the family has fought back and forth. I want this. I want that. Why did you take this? This was mine. Somebody stole stuff and went and sold it. You ever see the like of people and their greed? We spend, we spend, we spend. What's what's really valuable? What are you going to take with you? What are you going to leave behind? Randy Travis sang a song. Said it's not what you take with you. It's what you leave behind. You can leave a legacy. Hmm. Man was invited to a wedding and he said, "I bought some land." He spent. The Bible spoke about a pearl of great price. But he spent all. How much are you willing to spend? I was in a service the other day, and there was a real need for a mission work. And I, I felt moved. And I wrote out a check, and I'm not bragging. I wrote out a check for $100. And I got up, and the pastor wasn't hardly making a push. I said, can I say something? Because there were people sitting there that could write a really big check. I said, you don't want to die and leave a lot of money in the bank. Why don't you get involved? Do something that will have eternal values. Yes. Those 140,000 believers in the Amazon, most of them I don't know. I've met some of them. But I've carried in probably a 1,000 neckties. I've carried in ballpoint pens by the hundreds and even thousands. Because if a kid is in school and he has a ballpoint pen, he'll stay in school. And he's happy and proud. I've carried in clothes for the Indians. I've carried in fish hooks. I've carried in this. I've carried... I don't know how much. I went in one time and had a duffel bag. You know what a duffel bag is? They weigh about three pounds. A suitcase weighs 13. Duffel bags are great. You can pile all kinds of stuff in them. And I had five, $4,500 or $600 worth of airplane parts in that duffel bag with clothes stuffed around it. The missionary said, bring a fishing rod. I wasn't quite sure what that was all about, but I do like to fish. So I got up to the conveyor belt, and they x-rayed. They used to check it, you know, open the bag and stick their hands in. And they're not going to empty out a duffel bag. They just feel around the top. When I saw the x-ray machine, I started sweating. Anybody here ever sweat when it goes down the back of your neck and runs on down and reaches your shorts? And <laughs> <laughs> It's a very uncomfortable feeling, but I was sweating. I said, now, Lord, I need your help. Now, I threw that fly rod on the conveyor belt. The guy behind the machine looked up and he said, Oh, va pescar! They told me don't speak Portuguese, and I went like this. Anybody know what that means? I'm going fishing, va pescar. And I threw my duffel bags on, and he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and I just kept going. Mm. And I went like this, and he said, "Grandon." Now, grande is big, but grandon is really big. <laughs> There's three sizes of fish: they're small and medium. Then there's one that got away. (laughs) While I was looking at him and he was looking at me, my duffel bag went through and all them parts was being x-rayed and he didn't see a thing because he was looking at me and I was looking at him. And I grabbed the bags and started out the door and the missionary looked at me and he said, I brought $500 to bail you out of jail because I was sure he was going to be arrested. I keep that plane flying. Do I expect some reward? Absolutely not. But I know this. It'll reach another city, another town, another village. I know that by putting something into it. Amen. You see, we spend our days as a tale that is told. It slips by. You look back. I look back 20 years and it seems like yesterday. I look back at my kids, and I remember when they was like that. And now I got grandkids. I got a notice the other day, one of them's getting married. I said, wait a minute, you're only like 12. And they said, no, he's 22. (laughs) Where's them years gone? They spend as a tale that is told. Well, we spend for a lot of things. We spend for this and that. You ever notice how that you go to the grocery store and $20 doesn't do anything, but when you come to church, if you put $20 in the offering, you say, boy, that was a big offering, you know. You go to the grocery store, you, you ain't going to get out less than $100, $150. I mean, and you carry it in a two or three sacks, and then you go home and eat it up. And most of us eat too much and we're overweight and we got problems and we got cholesterol and then we got diabetes and then we got this. And... Boy, it sure is quiet, Brother Pruitt. I'm sorry. You can correct anything after I leave. <laughs> See, we spend, we we spend. It depends where your priorities are. Where are you putting the emphasis? There's a lady got in the car and she didn't know much about it her son was out doing something. She was an elderly lady, and she accidentally knocked it out of gear, and it was rolling downhill out of the driveway. And he ran out, and he was all excited, and he said, Grab the emergency! Grab the emergency! And she said, What is the emergency? He got so excited, he couldn't even say emergency. Where do you put the accent? Hmm. Apostle Paul said, You're bought with a price. You're bought with a price. Do you know, David, they offered him the threshing floor for him to build an altar, and he said, No, I won't take it for nothing. Sometimes we want something for nothing. You know, if you offer nothing prayers, you're going to get nothing answers. I was in one city praying, trying to start a revival, and a man went with me that he had more wind, than, and he had a lot of faith, but he wasn't too wise. But he knew how to pray. And I put up with him because he knew how to pray. And we was on a vacant lot. And there was about 35 people there. And the pastor said, we need to have a revival. How many believes we need a revival? So we was fasting and praying and working. And uh, a woman came in with a withered arm. She'd been kicked by a horse on the shoulder and her arm dried up. And... uh, she came forward for prayer, and this brother with me that I, I call him Wild Faith, he said, just raise your hands and praise God. This one went up easy. And oftentimes that's what we offer to God. That's which cost us so little. It's easy. We do the easy thing. There's people that would have been here tonight, but wasn't easy. And so he said, come on, raise your hands. As she started pushing that withered arm out, I was standing about one step from her. Her arm was about that big around. It was withered up and it was the color of brown shoe leather. And as she started pushing it out from her body, you see, you do what you can do and then God's going to do what he's going to do. Sometimes we don't try anything that we cannot do. And if you don't ever try anything you can't do, you will never see God do anything that he can do. She started pushing it out. And as she was pushing it out, I stood there. And I saw the blood vessel begin to pump, pump, pump. The hair on my head stood up and glory to God. I started praising God and shouting. People were dancing and And then they'd get quiet and weeping because as she started up with that arm, the flesh was growing back on the arm. God wanted to be glorified. Remember what Jesus said, this was done that he might be glorified. there's miracles all around us waiting for God to be glorified. She kept going up. It was a lot of effort. But as she was pushing, the flesh was growing. And when she got to the top with her arm extended i saw that hand and it looked like a a claw of a bird that had drawn up and she started moving those fingers out and all of a sudden they began to flex and blood vessels were flowing god was doing the work do you know the lord began to open up that city was not without opposition i was arrested the next two or three days I was arrested several times, and uh, the Catholic bishop sent word to put me in jail, and they put me in, and then they got me out. I baptized a lawyer, baptized an undercover policeman, and they got me out, and the Lord got me out. And they come back and said, we're going to sit in a service and watch everything you do. I said, sit here and listen, boy. You need to hear it too. (laughs) But you know something from that miracle? God performed more miracles and more miracles Two young men said, why don't we see miracles like in the Bible? I said, you read in the Bible where it says they come by fasting and prayer. These boys went out, foothills of the mountain, and camped out by a brook for six weeks. Five days a week, they didn't eat one bite. They drank water from the brook, and they spent a minimum of eight hours a day in the word and in prayer. when they came off of the mountain, they'd come back on the weekend and be in church and have something to eat and... Wash up their clothes and go back on Monday morning. In six weeks, they came off the mountain. And let me tell you something. People were calling. The Spirit of the Lord began to move out. There There were people calling. Have them come. They went to the insane asylum praying for people. And they'd walk out whole. They would go into the hospitals. People were being healed. Ambulances would pull up in front of the house. And people would get out crippled and go away walking and healed. Let me tell you something. If we got a vision of spending some time and some effort into praying and fasting and seeking God, don't just put empty hands on empty heads. You need to back it up with some prayer and fasting. Yes, sir. In Lima, Peru, some brethren were trying to start a work and preaching. Let me tell you, when you're starting a new work in an area where there's not much, Oh, by the way, in that city where the woman was healed, I was there in April. And there's five big churches. They just dedicated a church that'll seat a thousand people. A thousand people. It all began with a little tiny group. In Lima, Peru, they were trying to get a work started. They stoned the church. They stoned the roof. They stole the buildings. They broke out the windows, and they decided every time a stone hits the building, say praise the Lord. Every time something hits, they praise God. Glory to God. Finally, they quit stoning because they couldn't win. And they went down the street and they said, they found a man that was crippled. His hands were drawn up like this and his feet were drawn up. And they came and they walked through the door and came in and flopped him down on the altar and said, Here, see what your God will do. You don't want to put God to the test because God's going to do something. And them four young fellows, ruffians from the neighborhood, roughnecks, they stood there and watched. And while they prayed, that man's arms and legs straightened out, and he stood up. Those men fell on their knees and began to cry and pray. And they worshiped God. I was in Lima, Peru, about four years ago, and I saw miracles and wonders. I was in Lima and down in the Amazon Valley in Iquitos, and then I was up in Guayaquil at 14,000 feet. Well, what's it worth? How much is a soul worth? How much are you willing to spend? What are you willing to do? What kind of effort are you willing to put out? What will you do... Tomorrow or next day, you're gonna spend your life as a tale that is told. Somebody said, Oh, you missionaries have a lot of tales. There was tales in the Bible. A little boy came home and told his dad, said, Dad, you ain't gonna believe this. I went fishing. Now come on, son, don't you be lying about fishing? He said, No, I took five loaves and two fishes, and there was a man that took them and he fed five thousand people. Those are fish tales. Those are wonderful tales. Let me tell you something, my friend. You begin to fast and pray, and you better just try something. Just try something. Just try something. Why don't you try, God? I, I could preach for another hour, but I know people are getting tired, and, you, and you're saying I've spent enough time here. I was in the, headed to the hospital to pray for somebody. In, I stopped at the grocery store and I stand in line. There's four or five people ahead and that many behind. How many of you like standing in line? I didn't like it either. And I said, God, I just hate this waste of time. I got a lot of things to do. I got a long list of people to visit. I really don't want this. God said, do something. When the Lord said, do something, you better look for something to do. I turned around, the woman behind me, she was sad as all get out. She looked like an old rag after a day's washing. And I reached around, took her by the hand, and I said, Lady, you're sad. Let me pray with you. And I prayed with her, didn't even know what was the matter. Everybody in that line stopped. The cashier quit ringing. Thought some crazy preacher was there. Let me tell you something. She said, Will you go to the hospital and pray for my husband? Said, He's dying. The doctor gave him two weeks. I went to the hospital with her, prayed for the man. He had tubes going in, tubes coming out. He was in rough shape. I went back two days later, and there was no tubes going in, no tubes going out. He was sitting up in bed, and he said, Preacher, they've told me I can go home in two days. Woo! Why don't you do something? But the Lord wasn't done yet because uh, somebody worked in the field of education. And they went to a meeting, and the state director of education of the state of Indiana was chairing that meeting, and he said, before we start the meeting, I want to say something. I've been an atheist all my life. But he said, my dad was in the hospital dying, and a Pentecostal preacher went in there and prayed for him, and he said, God worked a miracle, and let me tell all you people, there is a God that saves and heals. Does God want a witness in the state of education of the state of Indiana? Does God want a witness around you? All you got to do is spend some of your time. Because we spend. Brother Pitts, you and I spent a lot of years, and they're mostly behind us. But we got a little left. What are you going to do? What are you going to do with your life? I had a preacher come visit Argentina, and he didn't do one thing. I mean, he preached little fancy sermons, And he died a few months later, and they said he had three quarters of a million dollars in the bank. I said he could have spent $5,000 and buy a lot. He could have done something over here. He could have sponsored a crusade. What's important to you? I going to tell you something. A lot of them things you think are important one day will mean nothing somebody else will be fighting over it or else it'll be in the junkyard. Well, I've already preached more than you're willing to listen to. So I'm going to let you be. But you spend your days. What are you going to do with what's left? What are you going to do with what's left? This book just came out. This one's about three years old. This one's one I wrote about Argentina. You've probably seen it anybody wants one you can buy it and everything that's realized from it will go back into the work of the Lord I can guarantee you that it's an interesting thing that missionaries can be the hardest working people in the world or the biggest liars that's really true because you don't know but I can tell you this I can take you to the places and show you the people I've heard some of them talk about things that they'll even talk about churches that they never had anything to do with building, didn't raise them up. God has a place for people like that. When you take advantage of good people and spend good, honest money on yourselves. I could preach a long time on preachers and missionaries. I was in one area and the missionary told me all the good restaurants and all the places to eat and all the fine hotels. He never talked one thing about any crusades or revivals or nothing. He spent his time doing other things. What well, depends on what you invest in. Are you investing in the kingdom of God? Are you investing? Why don't you really examine where you are? Amen. If our church, and I say our church, the church of the name of Jesus Christ could somehow get the vision. We could do something in the last days. We all know it's the last days. Everybody can tell you about the last days. We could do something. You spend. Spend your time. Spend your money. Some of you fellows has got a deer rifle you wouldn't trade for your wife. You, know? you, <laughs> you love that thing so much. What would you spend? What would it really cost? Hmm. We spend our days as a tale that is told. We spend more on cat food than we do on missions. How can we face God and say, I love the Lord and I love the lost? You spend some time. Are you willing to fast and pray? I know a church that fasts three days Every three months they have three days of fasting and prayer every three months But let me tell you something when they come out of them days of fasting and prayer I have seen I have seen the lame walk I was there at that church doing some work doing some carpenter work People drove in in one week ten families drove in off the street and said I was driving down the street And I felt the Spirit of the Lord And I'm out there sawing boards And they said, will you tell me about the Lord? Ten different families in one week. What happens? Fasting and prayer. Jesus said it'll only happen with fasting and prayer. What are you willing to spend? Do you want to do something for God? Do you want to die and leave a legacy behind you? you want to say, I've done something for the Lord? A preacher told me the other day, he said, every one of his kids are going to die lost. That's the saddest story that I have ever heard. And then I'll tell you one verse in the Bible that's really sad. They said, the children of Ephraim, they had bows, but when the enemy came, they ran. You've got it. What are you going to do with it?